0: Hey, what's up, and welcome to the Grown-Up Guide Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a bit different. It'll just be me talking to you all today instead of bringing on a guest to interview. Um, No intro or outro music today. I'm not asking you to subscribe today. I'm just asking you to listen, to open your heart, open your mind, and listen. In writing this episode, I had to take a step back. This show is about navigating different aspects of adulthood, and I never want to come off as someone who points at what other people are doing wrong and tells you how to do it better. And as I was writing this, that's exactly what I was doing. As I listed out all the racist things I've observed other people doing in my life, I realized I wasn't taking responsibility for the racist thinking and actions I've taken in my life that have gotten us here. Just because I didn't use hate speech or keep black people out of my life doesn't mean I wasn't being implicitly racist in other aspects of my life. So I share a story I'm ashamed of in this episode. Writing it was painful, but it's the painful work we need to do to create a better world for our black brothers and sisters. We can't point fingers at others, it's way too easy. The real work, the hard work, is taking responsibility for your past actions to move forward to the future. I will walk you through that work here. I want to talk about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Tamir Rice, and Trayvon Martin, just five of the hundreds of black people who were shot and killed by active or former police officers in the United States in the last 10 years. I want to talk about why this is happening, other ways we're seeing systemic racism results in the deaths of black people today, and what we could do about it now. And I mean right now. There's no time to deliberate. It may seem inconsequential to post about injustice on your social media account, to speak up when your family members are exhibiting racism, or to face the uncomfortable truth that our ignorance has contributed to the deaths of innocent black people in the United States. This is difficult work, but it's not more difficult than being black in the United States today. If you're listening to this and bother that this is a political stance, I need you to understand that it's not. It is our obligation as human beings to fight for the rights of all humans. And right now we're focusing on how we can fight for and elevate our black community. I believe that you can still learn and grow, but you have to make the choice right now to do so. Black people will continue to die if you don't make the choice to make a different choice. I hope that you will join me today in learning more as citizens, content creators, business owners, employees, leaders, parents, neighbors, family, we can do better. We have to do better. Today we're going to talk about the inner work that needs to happen in order for our non-black people to become true allies of the black community. And First off, I want to talk about Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs is a pyramid with five levels each representing a different level of human needs, beginning with the most basic needs at the bottom. According to psychologist Abraham Maslow, the bottom levels must be satisfied before progressing up the pyramid. At the bottom of the pyramid is the physiological need level, which consists of food, shelter, water, warmth, and rest. The second level is called safety needs. It's putting physical and mental measures in place to feel safe and secure in your daily life. The next level up is belongingness and love needs, meaning building meaningful relationships with family, friends, and lovers. The fourth level is esteem needs, which involves a sense of accomplishment in your life. And the highest level is self-actualization, which is achieving someone's fullest potential, its peak performance, your best life, and feeling so incredibly fulfilled in your life. Now, Remember what I said, these levels build on each other, and you can't reach the next level until you've satisfied the one you're on. As long as systemic racism is in place, black communities will always be dragged down to level two, the safety need level. We all know black people who are incredibly successful. Some of the biggest icons in the world are black. But as long as innocent black people are being murdered for existing, they will never as a community rise past level two. Black people with PhDs aren't protected by their degree. Black people who dress in fancy clothes aren't protected by their threads. Black kids in nice neighborhoods aren't protected by their zip codes. We won't have the privilege of living in a world where every single black person in this country has the opportunity to reach their fullest potential will continue to watch them die. If this sounds awful, remember we're already here. This is already the reality, but we can make change starting with ourselves. Police brutality has been at the forefront of the conversation lately, and rightly so, but I want to talk about some other ways that Black people are dying of institutional racism in our country. If you didn't know, The United States has the highest maternal death rate of any developed nation in the world, and black women make up the highest maternal death rates in the U.S. when broken down by race. Black women are two and a half times more likely to die from childbirth than white women, with 37.1 deaths per 100,000 life births in 2018. Heidi Campbell is the host of the Birth Story podcast, and in episode 13 of her podcast, she talked with Cindy, a black doula based in Asheville, North Carolina. Cindy's devastating testimony of what happens when doctors don't listen to pregnant black women will break you. I will link the episode in the show notes below, and I highly encourage you to listen to it and listen to her story. At the time this podcast is being recorded, we're still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. The United States is leading the world in the highest number of COVID-related deaths, with a death toll at over 106,000 deaths and counting. According to a study conducted by APM Research Lab, which is a nonpartisan group, Black Americans comprise 25% of COVID-19 deaths in the US, even though they only comprise 13% of the population in all areas in the U.S. releasing COVID mortality data. That means Black Americans are two and a half times more likely to die of coronavirus than White Americans. Pandemic aside, according to the CDC, Black Americans ages 18 to 49 are two times more likely to die of heart disease than White Americans and young black Americans are living with diseases that are more common in older white Americans, making them more likely to die earlier in age of all causes. The CDC cites social factors that influence these statistics are higher unemployment rates among African Americans, higher chances of living in poverty, lack of home ownership among African Americans, and inability to see a doctor due to cost. Again, thinking back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, These social factors contribute to both physiological and safety needs. That's levels one and two. And black Americans are suffering from the systematic oppression that keeps them here. For our inner work here, I'm asking you to come back to level two. I'm not saying to go out and do anything dangerous. I'm asking you to challenge the sense of security that comes from silence. Start with getting uncomfortable Start with exposing your own shortcomings and reflect on times you should have spoken up but didn't. I really challenge you to journal on this. Think of your life experience and challenge the parts of your life that have been painted by racism, both blatant and subtle. In an effort to address my own biases, encourage painful vulnerability in the Grown Up Guide community, and to avoid coming off as the shimmering image of anti-racism, I'll go first. It was the year 2010 and I was in 11th grade. In my AP English class, we were tasked with writing an argumentative essay. We weren't allowed to pick abortion or gay marriage because they were quote unquote, too current and too controversial. When I was visiting my family in New York that year, I saw a news story on TV about a Hallmark greeting card with the characters Hoops and Yo-Yo, who are these pink and green, high-pitched, giggly weirdos that spoke when you opened their cards. You might remember them. The card in contention was a galaxy-themed graduation card. In the card, Hoops and Yo-Yo say, Watch out for those black holes. Yeah, they're so ominous. The news story was about the Los Angeles chapter of the NAACP the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, who called for the card to be taken off shelves because they swore up and down that the card said, Watch out for those black whores. Yeah, they're so ominous. I listened to the card. I thought it clearly said black holes as a part of its galaxy theme. So, for my 11th grade AP English class, I wrote about how we didn't need the NAACP anymore. I don't remember what my talking points were besides the Hallmark card story, but I chose to write it, and I was allowed to write it, and I was allowed to present on it, and no one challenged me. Not my teacher, none of my classmates that I can remember. I think I even got a good grade on it. I went to a very diverse high school, and three things I'm acknowledging and learning more about as an adult are that one, you can be surrounded by diversity and still be racist. Two, being a person of color doesn't mean that you're not racist. And three, socioeconomic privilege in people of color can function as efficiently as white privilege in blinding us to systematic problems. A couple of years ago, I remembered that I wrote that essay and I felt sick. Conversations about police brutality were picking up and I wanted to return to 2010 and give 11th grade Kristen a swift kick in the ass then I would have told her to write about confirmation bias instead. I think back and have to believe I wasn't the only one who already had internalized biases and saw the Hallmark story and allowed it to confirm a racist belief that black people get way upset over nothing, pull the race card too often, and are angry for no reason, and that they have the same opportunities as the rest of us. I wonder if those people feel sick now, if they're learning with us now, I wonder if they're marching the streets of their city with a Nazi flag held above their heads. I wonder if the men that murdered Ahmad Arbery saw the Hallmark card story on the news too and allowed their racism to grow in their hearts like cancer. I wonder if I made my classmates feel unsafe and unseen. I wonder if I inspired them to dismiss the challenges that black people face every day. We have an opportunity now to correct our thinking and behaviors, and to address our biases. We can't bring back the lives lost, but we can challenge the thinking and the rhetoric that continues to put Black lives in danger in the first place. I would have never labeled myself as a racist. I just thought the hard work was done then, and that thinking itself was racist. The work is just getting started. In case it's not clear, I need to emphasize this now, We need the NAACP now more than ever, so I've donated to the NAACP and have joined their We Are Done Dying campaign by signing the petition to bring the remaining three officers responsible for George Floyd's death to justice. I will link to the We Are Done Dying campaign and the donation page for the NAACP in the show notes if you'd like to join me in supporting them. And, for the record... Hallmark released a statement that while there was nothing racist about the card, they still pulled it from the shelves. If you see this as political correctness instead of black allyship, start there in your journey to address your own bias. Alright, it's your turn for reflection. Where is systemic racism running rampant in your life? Maybe your uncle uses the N-word at family gatherings. Maybe your best friend has said that if black people would just not break the law, they wouldn't be killed. Maybe you shamed Colin Kaepernick for peacefully protesting during the national anthem and supported the destruction of his career. Maybe you've locked your doors when a black man was walking near you. Maybe you denounce the rioters more vehemently than you denounce the police officers that murdered George Floyd. Maybe you demonize Michael Vick and obsess over white serial killers. Maybe you advocated against affirmative action and scholarships tailored to minorities because it gave them an unfair advantage over you. Maybe you've dressed in blackface. Maybe you constantly flaunt your love of Kanye and Jay-Z and Chance the Rapper and Kendrick Lamar, but when people say black lives matter, you respond with all lives matter. Maybe you got married on a plantation. Maybe you follow black influencers and business owners and are all for supporting them until they talk about injustice. Sit with this for a while. If you could turn back time, what would you have done differently? If you had acted differently to extinguish the racism in that situation, what might you have lost? Would you have lost a relationship with your family member? Would you have lost a few hours researching why what you did was rooted in racism? Would your pride have taken a hit from admitting fault? Would you have had to pick a different wedding venue or perhaps change your date? You might notice from this reflection that there's a spectrum of severity for your actions when standing up to racism changing learned behaviors, and challenging paradigms. Even if it's painful to lose a family member, is it worse than raising children who learn racism from them, assuming it's okay to treat black kids differently because their grandpa said it was okay? It might be inconvenient to change your wedding venue, but how do you feel about your wedding photos immortalizing a venue where black slaves were tortured, raped, dehumanized, and murdered? It would have been uncomfortable to walk up to the cop screaming at a black boy for riding his bike in the street. But how would you have felt if the black boy never made it home? Here's the thing about the discomfort of facing racism. It gets easier the more you do it. And the more you use your privilege, the more you realize how powerful it truly is. You'll likely never be murdered or even harmed by a police officer for waiting until he lets the black boy go home, or for walking the boy home so you know he isn't bothered on his way and gets there safely. You'll likely not get fired for calling out your boss for his or her racism, especially if you stand strong and don't let your voice quiver when you do so. Your family might not like you calling them out, but they likely love you too much to disown you for it. And if their hatred of black people is more important to them than their love for you, maybe you don't need that family member in your life. But maybe your passion and compassion will open their hearts to a real conversation. And maybe you can help them change. Because here's the other side of avoiding discomfort. Black people will continue to die. It might not feel like speaking up can save lives, but it will. It might not feel like denouncing plantations as a tourist attraction will save lives, but it will, because we're in the long game now. We're trying to dismantle hundreds of years of oppression so justice will not come in a day. It might take several generations to eradicate racism. It might not be eradicated while we're alive, but we still have to fight, and it starts with us. There are so many discussions to be had on racism in America, and I hope the momentum from the public outcry we're seeing compels you to not only participate in these discussions, but to instigate them. Start them with your friends and your family. Talk to your significant other about how you've exhibited implicit bias in your lives. Talk about how you can do better. Reach out to your black friends and make sure they're okay. Have hard conversations with your coworkers. Once you start this inner work of self-awareness, you'll begin to remember more instances of internalized bias that you have in your life, and instances where you saw racism and didn't even recognize it for what it was. Write these down. Process them out loud. Building the skill of self-awareness is critical to becoming a strong ally. This is not a political issue, but there are two sides. Anti-racist and racist. Which side are you on? All sources will be linked in the show notes, and you can email me at grownupguidepodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to continue this discussion one-on-one. I'm also open to feedback on how I can grow to be a better ally to the Black community if you have thoughts and the emotional energy to share. I wish you the best. I'm sending love to the Black community at large. I love you all, and I'll see you in the next episode.